Oh, just like this. Was that your mother? Uh, my mother lives in Hassa. Okay, what was she saying there? Uh, about the money. <laughs> Saring Sandu sits hunched over his iPhone in a cafe in McLeod Ganj, the old British hill station that looks out over Dharamsala. Sandu left Tibet in 1998, and he's using a popular mobile application called WeChat to communicate with his parents back home in Lhasa. His mother just let him know she was sending some money, but they have to be careful. I only talk uh, greeting words, good morning, or how's your day. Uh, I didn't talk about uh, politics or something like that. It was not so very long ago now that it took months or even years for messages to pass between Tibetan exiles and their loved ones back home. The rise of mobile technology and the access to information it provides has changed things for this repressed community to a degree it's hard to overstate. Imagine your social media accounts, email, and WhatsApp all rolled into one. That's WeChat. It's a lifeline, except for one thing. It's a Chinese app, and his messages are very likely being monitored. If they're caught saying the wrong thing, the consequences for his parents back home could be dire. So I'm afraid if they guess, they have a big problem for my parents. A young man named Gonpo Tinle is one of many examples of what's at stake for Tibetans who are caught doing or saying something Beijing considers rebellious. I meet Tinle at the headquarters for the Guchisum movement, a haven for former political prisoners who've escaped to India. Tinle was arrested at the age of 19 for protesting in 2008. He served two and a half years in prison. So he says um, one month and 15 days was extreme torture. Now he describes a lot of various methods of torture, you know, one with electrical rods and uh, usage of very, very cold water and uh, no food. After his release in 2010, it took him several years to put together enough money to make a run for the border. He's been in McLeod Ganj for a year and a half now and hasn't spoken with his family because of his work. So he says he uses WeChat, but uh, he, has, he, he has never contacted his family members because it's just too dangerous since he's politically active. No? One phone call from a politically active Tibetan India no, means the disappearance of the whole family. Tibetan activist and poet Tenzin Sundu wrote, When it rains in Dharamsala, the raindrops wear boxing gloves. He's not kidding. The switchback streets of McLeod Ganj run like rivers, past stalls selling Tibetan jewelry and carved wooden flutes, on down to where the central Tibetan administration clings to the hillside. So what do we see on the screen? It's not always, uh, it's not always the case. This is Lobsang. I've changed his name because he's not authorized to speak to the press, but he was willing to tell me about his work as a security researcher here in the CTA's Tibetan Computer Resource Center. Example, like, I can just create a malicious uh, file over here, and then I can just name it, like, .rtf. The TCRC receives these sorts of emails regularly, where an attacker impersonates a trusted contact. But the CTA has also weathered more sophisticated forms of attack, In 2013, the Chinese-language version of the website was hacked in what's known as a watering hole attack, which lets hackers identify, spy on, and attack visitors to the site. Ladan Tefang of Tibet Action has also received her fair share of targeted email attacks. We can assume the Chinese government is monitoring everything, and at sensitive times or when they deem people's behavior on WeChat too risky, they try to make examples of people. 
The Tibet Action Institute was founded about a year after the Tibet uprising in 2008. The tools have evolved dramatically, even in the short time since. But the Institute's mission has stayed the same. Teach Tibetans how to protect themselves while still taking advantage of what the technology has to offer. We've played this role of trying to make sure people understand how the technology works and where the potential threats are and what it means to use WeChat um, uh, in terms of allowing the Chinese government the keys to your house, basically, or your mobile phone and all your data. Despite all the risks, Ladan sees the rise of this kind of technology as a net plus for the freedom movement. Tibetans, she says, have always openly challenged the Chinese authorities, and their willingness to keep doing so means they are organizing, getting information out, and telling their own stories. Back at the cafe in the Cloud Ganj, Sarang Sandu finishes his call with his mother. She sent me her money, and it's just like a Western Union. One bill paid. Such a small thing, but so important to fractured families that once never dreamed of being able to support one another. And that ability to connect is one reason Ladan believes there is more hope for the freedom movement now than there has been for decades. This is Emily Johnson in Dharamsala, India.